What can we do more than just live as we follow Christ? We can thrive. Okay? Now, let's look at the first question that we have. 181? Yeah. yeah. When has a personal letter on note met a lot to you? When, when, huh? when it came from someone when you love. When it came from someone you love. Anybody else? When has a personal letter or note meant a lot to you? It doesn't have to be a letter, it could be just a note. Two lines, three lines. Well, I got a letter, just a hand-delivered letter yesterday. And... I went about thinking, is she really talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think of myself as that great a person. Mm. But it was a blessing, and it was totally unexpected. Mm -hmm. It was just really Just made your day. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I thought I was pretty good girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any, anybody else got a note like that? <laughs> I think one, my granddaughter, just before I left, she wrote me a little note, how she missed me so much, and she cried every day, she pulled my picture, she kissed my picture, and she oh. told you Ariana, why are you crying? Say, I cry for my grandmother. Okay. <laughs> she just used yeah. to pitch all the time to big one me. Great. Anybody else? A note. Doesn't have to be a letter, just a little note. You know, the one that comes to mind for me is we were, we had, uh, you know, we had lived in Jacksonville, Florida for five years, and the last year we were there, we, we, we moved and we lived in a different house. Interestingly, the street we lived on was, was named Commonwealth Avenue. Interesting. Remind you of home. <laughs> but we lived in this house and uh, we lived there for a year. And when we left, uh, we went to get our deposit back. And, uh, and the fellow said that, you know, we'd have to send it to you because, you know, you can't, we can't process it right now and all that stuff. But I said, well, I'm not going to see that deposit again, you know. But um, we got back home and uh, shortly after we got home, I got a letter in the mail. And in the mail was a check. For my deposit with a note. And the note said, Thank you for taking care of my property. Wow. Wow. Boy, that really made my day. Yes. You know, you don't normally get them kind of stuff. When, when no. people move out your house, the, the landlord get plenty woes. <laughs> you know, but he said, Thank you for taking care. And I remember when we were moving, we were actually getting out of the house and uh, we were about to lock the door, and this lady passed by, and I just put the red sign in the window. And this lady passed by, and she saw it, and she said, can I, can I look around? I said, sure. You know. And she, she looked around, and she said, well, how long have you been living here? I said, just a year. What? You living this house a year? This look like this? <laughs> you know, the carpet looked like it was brand new, and it was brand new when they put it in. <laughs> you know, and uh, all the appliances looked like they were brand new. Yes, they were brand new when we got there. <laughs> you know, but it's how they were taken care of. And she couldn't believe that we lived in the house for a year. Wow. You know, and uh, so I could understand the note that the man sent. But of course, it was normal for us. It was no big deal. You know, it's an everyday thing for us. So you get a good feeling when you get that little note or that personal letter that moves you. Yeah. Well, with Pastor Roll, when you first came here, he said, I'm telling him that the difficulty in this, and I do. And I have a sister working in the and I call her, and she's sort of more than I exchange numbers. 
and the previous chairman just said they were saying how they appreciate you and I mean, thank you so much and we can't thank you so much. So that was Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gives you a good feeling when you get those notes. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life on page 82. Somebody read that, please. The Bible Meets Life. <clears throat> Prayer is an opportunity to experience joy. A few years back, Farrell Williams launched the song Happy as a global sensation. But I wondered the people singing it then have remained happy over the years. These days, perhaps many of them will prefer U2's I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> Such people won't be alone in history. King Solomon, who had an abundance of wealth and women, confessed, absolute fertility, everything is futile, Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. Alexander the Great is reported to have back in his tent saying, there are no more worlds to conquer. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, after his third NFL championship, remarked, there's got to be more than this. Mm-hmm. Where can we go to find full and lasting joy? If you're interested in finding the answer to this question, welcome to the book of Philippians. This is a letter full of joy. Interestingly, one written by a man in prison. Okay. So as we look in the book of Philippians, uh, we're going to see the units that we're going to be looking at or lessons we're going to be looking at. Today we'll be looking at praying with joy. The next one will be sharing with joy, following with joy, growing with joy, practicing practicing with joy, and giving with joy. All right, so all of those uh, we're going to be looking at how we can have real joy. What is the point of the lesson? Prayer is an opportunity to experience joy. Prayer is an opportunity to experience joy. And let's keep that in our minds as we look into the lessons. Now, let me give you the setting here as we look at the the first uh, passage. Uh, The setting. Uh, The Apostle Paul had established the church at Philippi on his second missionary journey, and that's recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 16. It had been one of the, one of the, it had not been one of the destinations that he intended to visit. But after being prevented by God from going to some of his intended destinations, and after a pleading in a dream, Paul and his traveling companions arrived in the city. Then, near the end of his life, and from a prison cell, Paul wrote to the church the letter that we're going to be studying in this session. All right, so the letter of joy was written by a man who was sitting in jail. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so let's pray that the Holy Spirit would bless our hearts as we go through this study and show us what real joy is all about. Amen. Okay, let's have someone read uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1 on page 83, verses 3, 3 to 6. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always pray with joy for all of you in my every, every, every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day to now, I am sure of this, 
God even started the good work in you but carried on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay. Now let's look at that first second question there. How would you describe the difference between happiness and joy? How would you describe the difference between happiness and joy? Joy is an inner peace. Okay. What's happiness? You're just happy inside. Okay. Happiness is a temporary thing. Okay. Okay, so you got half right and you got half right. Okay. Okay, uh, joy is a deep inner feeling. That's correct. Happiness is a temporal outer, outside thing. Okay. Okay. Um, let's look at the paragraphs beneath the verse. Someone read that. Paul began his letter to the Philippines. His beloved partners in the gospel with expressions of thanksgiving, joy, and affection. Joy runs throughout Paul's letter. And the first time he used the term, he spoke of praying with joy. This sense is such an opportune and important concept in Philippians. Let's ponder joy for a moment. Joy goes deeper than happiness. A happiness is typically based on external things. It's tied to our circumstances. Joy remains with us regardless of what we have or are experiencing. We can be having a bad day, but still have joy. We find joy in knowing Christ deeply. This may sound cheesy or elementary, but the secret of joy is in keeping our priorities arranged in this order. Jesus, others, and yourself. Paul, ex exemplified. Paul exemplified a life of joy. He rejoiced in Christ despite hardship. And he lived to serve others before thinking about himself. At the core of Paul's joy was a deep love for the Savior that spelled out into love for people. Christian joy is Christ-centered and others-oriented. Notice that we don't find Paul giving God thanks for things. Paul gives thanks for people. Paul can see evidence of God's grace in others and praise God for his work in them. In these races, especially, Paul was filled with joy over what God had done for the Philippians. Okay, next page. As part of his prayer, Paul expressed gratitude for the believers in, Phil in Philippi, whom he considered his partners in the gospel. This church had supported Paul and served as co-workers in the mission from the beginning of his time in Philippi. They were friends, united in Jesus and on mission together. In verse 6, Paul gave another reason for his gratitude to God, confidence in God's nature and purpose. He was sure that God would continue and complete the work he had started in the Philippine, in the Philippine 
to believers. He dates this upon his knowledge of God and his awareness of the Philippines' faith. Don't miss the fact that God is the one who starts his work in our lives. In his grace, he initiates our salvation. But that's not the end. God always finishes Amen. when he starts okay. in the lives of his people. Yes, Amen. Okay. That's right. He who began a good work in you yes. will be faithful to do what? To complete it. Or perform it. Complete it. Okay. Uh, now, let's look at some of the points. The main points uh, from what we just read. Uh, the first one is, we find joy in knowing Christ deeply. Not superficially, but deeply. You have a deep relationship with Christ. This may sound cheesy or elementary, but the secret to joy is keeping our priorities arranged in this order. Uh, with order? Jesus, others, and Okay. Jesus, others, and yourself. Jesus first, everybody else, and then you. That's right. And then the second point is, notice that we don't find, we don't find Paul giving thanks for things. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Paul gives thanks for people. People are important, not things. That's the point he's making. Paul could see evidence of God's grace in others and praise God for his work in them. Okay, I thank my God for you. Okay, and that's how we ought to be praying for other people. I thank God for you. We hear that expression a lot, right? But that's how we ought to be praying as well. And then the third thing we notice is, as part of his prayer, Paul expressed gratitude for the believers in Philippi, whom he considered partners in the gospel. Okay, he was not a one-man band. He considered all those believers in, in, in Philippi as his partners in communicating the gospel. And that's how we had to see other believers as well. And then the fourth thing and final thing is in verse 6, Paul gave another reason for his gratitude to God. And that is confidence in God's nature and purposes. He had absolutely total confidence in God's nature, who God was, and God's purpose, what God intended to do. He was sure, absolutely certain, that God would continue and complete. How many people you know who start things and don't finish them? Okay? Sometimes that upset you, right? Yes. You know, why don't finish this off? Why don't we get this done? And so Paul's compass is that God is able to continue and complete the work that he had started in the Philippian believers. In other words, God don't leave you hanging, like some people do. Yeah. Okay, you are there hanging out in the wind. Boy. Waiting. Okay, as we continue with verses 7 and 8, we'll see a helpful example of, what, uh, of what, what it looks like to pray with joy when the circumstances are not ideal, or when the circumstances are not what is favorable to you, or what you would like it to be. All right, so let's look at uh, those verses. Someone read verses 7 and 8 on page 84. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment 
and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. The God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Okay, now in that passage, uh, Paul uses some legal terms uh, that we want to look at uh, in those two verses. Um, okay, the Philippians were were gracious partners in his with us gracious partners in his imprisonment and stood with him in his defense and the establishment of the gospel. And so these terms, uh, defense and establishment, are legal terms, essentially official language from a formal defense that a lawyer would use in court. Uh, the first is a judicial term for an attorney presenting a verbal case. Paul had presented himself and the gospel to various groups and political officials in Palestine, the rioting crowds recorded in Acts chapter 22, the Jewish Sanhedrin, recorded in Acts 23. Governor Felix, remember him? Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 24. Drusilla, and Acts 24 as well, uh, verses 24 to 26. And then Festus, remember Festus? Uh, who, Festus will say, Paul almost out persuaded me to become a Christian. <laughs> uh, Festus, in Acts chapter 25. And then King Agrippa, and Bernice. That ain't not this point. Okay. That's chapter 26. Indeed, his presence in Rome was for yet another official hearing. So they had Paul all over the place. It's possible he had, a, he had already had a preliminary inquiry before Caesar, predating this letter to the Philippians. His experience at defending his actions and the gospel message was vast but his efforts were made easier by knowing he had loving support from the believers at Philippi. All that he went through. It, it makes you feel good when you're going through a lot and you know you got a lot of people that got your back, right? Well, that's what made Paul feel so well because these Philippian believers had his back. He knew that they were supporting him, they were with him, they were praying for him. And then when we look at verse 8, we notice Paul's love and longing for the Philippians was a, a distinctly Christian tie to which God himself could bear witness. Witness refers to one who bears testimony. Like you go to court and the judge or the lawyer calls a witness. It's a, a person who bears testimony. It's a word from which we get our English word martyr, one who gives their life. Paul could solemnly appeal to God to testify of his love for the Philippian believers. And then there's that word affection that is used here. It's a word referring to the region of the heart, lungs, and intestines. <coughs> this was a thought to be, this was thought to be the very seat of human emotion. And yet, it was not with merely a human love that Paul longed for his brethren but with, a very, with the very love of Christ Jesus. That's the kind of love that Paul had for his, his, his beloved Philippians. The supernatural love of God was felt by Paul for his Philippian brothers and sisters. Supernatural love of God. And that's the kind of love that we ought to have for those around us. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs there. 
uh, beneath that verse. Here we see. Here we see the great emotion and warm call had for the church. It's not enough to learn Paul's theology and disciplines. We also need to see how the truths he taught were evident in his life. He obviously felt and demonstrated passion in what he believed. In verse 7, Paul said he had the Philippians in his heart. A hard, deep relationship existed between Paul and these believers. See also 2 Corinthians 7, 7 verse 3 to Philippians 2 and verse 17. Paul said he had poured out his life for the Philippians. In this way, Paul and Philippian believers model for us what it means to have Christian friendships that are centered on the gospel. Go to page 86. Paul said, it is right for me to think this way about all of you. It was right because the Philippian believers were all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. <coughs> Being a partner in grace meant more than just receiving more than just receiving saving grace. The, Philipp the Philippians also had suffered for Christ and were sharing in the struggle for making the gospel known. See 1, 29-30. Paul rejoiced because the Philippians displayed their partnership and loyalty to Paul and the mission. They not only supported Paul as he shared the gospel, but they also supported him in prayer and with financial support during his imprisonment. They didn't turn their back on Paul. They weren't ashamed of him, even though imprisonment brought great shame in that time. The Philippians' loyalty to Paul, even while he was in prison, made this relationship especially sweet. As Paul pondered his relationship with the Philippians, he made a remarkable statement. I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He reminded them of Christ's affection for them and how God was at work in him to love them in that same way. The Greek word translated as affection refers to the inward parts of the body. It conveys the idea of deep compassion. Paul was united to Christ, and because of this unity, he shared Christ's love for the church. This is a deep love that goes far beyond sentiment. It's love we can experience as well. Okay. A couple of main major points uh, that we want to point out there in those passages. And the first one is, here we see the great emotion and warmth Paul had for the church. It's not enough to learn Paul's theology and disciplines. We also need to see how the truths are taught that he taught are evident in his life. In other words, Paul practiced what he preached. He walked his talk. And that's interesting. The second point is, Paul rejoiced because the Philippians displayed their partnership and loyalty to Paul and the mission. They not only supported Paul as he shared the gospel, but they also supported him in prayer and with financial support during his imprisonment. Okay, so they were there for him at every step of the way. And then the third thing we notice here is that Paul was united to Christ, and because of his unity, he shared Christ's love for the church. And as we mentioned earlier, this is a, a deep love that goes far beyond sentiment. It's a love we can experience as well. 
deep compassion is what Paul had for his believers. Question number three. What are some obstacles that hinder us from building a deeper relationship? Ethnicity. Hmm? Ethnicity. Ethnicity? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, the voice is different from you. Religion. Religion, okay. What else? Pride. Pride, okay. Mm. What are the hindrances or obstacles that are hindrances that prevent us? Time. Okay, some people use time, okay. Oh, I ain't got no time for this. Oh, I ain't got no time for you. Oh, I ain't got no time for that. Oh, I ain't got no time for y'all. I ain't got no time for you now. <laughs> All right? Time. What else? Social media. Huh? Social media. Social media. Boy, that's a big one. <laughs> I get time for Facebook. <laughs> but I ain't got no time for you. <laughs> and what's happened? And all that stuff, okay? Okay, so there are a lot of obstacles uh, that could prevent us from... But did any of these obstacles prevent Paul and the Philippians from having a deeper relationship? No. No, we see the example. They were there for Paul when he was in prison. They were there when he wasn't in prison. Okay, and they, they supported him prayerfully, financially, and visibly in person, right? Mm -hmm. So we see how we can learn from Paul's example. Yeah. Okay, let's move now to verses 9 11, where we'll find a helpful example of praying for the spiritual growth of others. Wouldn't you like that? Praying for spiritual growth of others. We're going to come back to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay. Now let's look at the activity before we go to the, to the okay, question. Let me do my activity. All right. 85, yeah. Okay. Okay. Give thanks. Having a more intimate relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Paying off some debts. Okay. Uh, uh, building a, a, a relationship with a special child. Okay. Reunion with my mother. Mm -hmm. And Almighty God being a faithful friend. Okay, so that story is five. Mm -hmm. Okay, notice what it says. Use space below to record five blessings that you have that have brightened your life this year. Anybody yeah. else who are gonna share their five? Or their two or three or whatever you came up with? Or one. Or one? <laughs> five blessings that brightened your life this year. Mm. You didn't write them down, so you don't remember them, right? <laughs> Did any stand out? Any blessings stand out this year? That brighten your life? Nobody? Okay. What step can you take to, to make giving thanks a more prominent part of your prayer life? Forgiving. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Okay. Anybody else? Listening more. Listening more. And humble. Okay, notice John Newton's uh, quote there. A stranger to prayer is equally a stranger to God and to happiness. Interesting quote by John Newton. Okay, let's look then at uh, 
The paragraph's on page 87, just beneath the verse there. A Christ-centered love grows in knowledge and in every kind of discernment. Knowledge asks the question, what is right? Discernment asks the question, what is best? Love leads us to live out what is both right and best. In short, a mature Christian is both biblically informed and deeply affectionate. Why did Paul desire for the Philippians to, Philippians to grow in this kind of love? Two things. He desired for them to approve the things that are superior. Paul prayed for the Philippians to choose the things that are best in this life and in their relationships. He prayed for them to have discernment in order to properly distinguish between right and wrong, between better and best, and between things that matter and things that don't. And then secondly, he desired for them to be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Jesus is coming, and we should live and pray in light of this fact. Paul expressed this life of purity in another way, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is given to the believer by faith alone, according to Philippians 3.9. We are declared righteous and made acceptable to God through Christ. A righteousness that comes from outside ourselves. <clears throat> Just as important, out of this position of righteousness through Jesus, we are called to live righteously. Amen? Amen. We are called to live righteously. Prayer is a key element in this righteous life. Paul experienced joy as he prayed for himself and for the people he loved. May this be true of us. How joyful do you feel when you're praying for people? Okay, question number five. Why are both knowledge and discernment necessary ingredients for loving others? Why are those two necessary for loving others? Okay, well, let's look at that paragraph, uh, that, that first paragraph there on page 87. Notice it says, A Christ-centered love grows in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Knowledge asks the question, what is right? What does discernment ask? What is best? What is best? Okay, love leads us to live out what is both right and best. In short, a mature Christian is both biblically informed and deeply affectionate. So there's the answer to your question on page five, question number five. Okay, let's look at uh, page 88 as we see how we can apply all of this as we go forward during the week. How will you incorporate into your life, how will you incorporate joy into your life and prayers this week? Consider the following suggestions. Cultivate gratefulness. Take time each day to count your blessings. As you pray and thank God for all he's done for you, let his joy fill your heart and be seen as you serve others. Okay, so cultivate gratefulness. 
check and memorize Philippians 1.6. It's hard to be joyful when praying about a difficult matter. But Philippians 1.6 is a reminder that God is at work even when we don't see the result. Okay, so memorize Philippians 1.6. And then partner with others. Join with others to pray about your lives and your opportunities to serve God and others. Emphasize the importance of joy each time you pray together. The importance of joy. So three things you have to do this week. Cultivate gratefulness, memorize Philippians 1.6, and pray with others. And then don't buy into the lie that joy depends on your, outward, your present circumstances. Paul wrote his, this, his joyful letter to the Philippians and prayed his joyful prayer while being persecuted in a Roman prison. Choose today to seek the unshakable joy that is only available through Christ. Amen? Amen.